welcome to another episode of Raising OKC Kids, Conversations with Metro Family in Oklahoma City. I'm Kirsten Holder, and today we're talking with Marcy McConnell, one of the founders of The Reclaimed Soul. She helps clients improve their self-awareness so they can experience healing personally and in every relationship in their lives. Her goal is to see her clients live with passion and a resolute courage, not only to feel free, but to boldly walk in that freedom, which I just love that business description, Marcy. Yes. Like it just makes me want to go, freedom! Who yes. doesn't want that? Exactly. Oh. Gosh, I'm so thrilled to be back here with you. Thank you so much for having me back. Um, all of you who are listening or watching, um, thank you for having me back and just allowing me to have a voice in your life. It's just such a privilege. So I appreciate it so, so, so much. Thanks. Yes, yes. Well, the feeling is mutual. I know for me, but I, I think I can speak for people listening too. We were so glad to have you um, early last year and it's always great to have you back. Um, and so for those of you listening who may have missed when Marcy was on last time, I think it's fair that we share our own Enneagram numbers because we're talking today about the Enneagram and how it relates to goal setting and resolutions in the new year. So I am a five, which um, if you're not familiar, that means I'm the thinker and is likely why I like co-hosting this podcast so I can learn more and share knowledge, you know, from experts such as yourself, Marcy. Um, as I recall, you are an eight. Um, and for those of us who don't know our numbers, can you explain what that means? And then maybe where, where the best place to go to take the Enneagram test would be? Oh, so many things, you guys. And you know what? There are so many great resources out there to help us grow, um, to help us grow personally, to help us grow in our relationships and live with that resolute courage. Because um, it is hard, especially these days, so hard to live with purpose and with passion um, because of all the things that are going on. But as you said, I am a type eight. And so what that means on the Enneagram is that I am a passionate protector. So um, for those of you who are like, man, she's intense. That's why, because I am passionate about all of the things. Um, but here's the thing about the Enneagram that I love so much is it gets to the heart of why we do what we do. So all these other things tell us what we do and what to do about it. But the Enneagram gets even further into the heart of the matter and can tell us why we do the things we do. Why am I a passionate protector? Why do I do these things? And then when we know the why, it totally makes it easier for us to adjust to the what. So like you said, um, you're a type five, you're the analytical investigator. So you love gaining all the information. So you're right, this podcast super helpful <laughs> for that, for gaining all of the information. And then again, I'm a type eight. So uh, it explains all of the intensity that you may be feeling from me. So if you want to discover your type, we have um, an assessment, a free assessment on our website at thereclaimedsoul.org. And you can check out the freest resources. So click the tab that says free resources and there's an Enneagram assessment. It's the first thing on that page. So that's where you can start to figure out who you are and what your type is. So dive into that assessment. Would love to hear from you guys. I want to know what type you are. I want to know all of the things. Yes, perfect. It is, like you said, it's like the why behind the behavior. And sometimes those behaviors are so subconscious that it's kind of helpful to know, you know, you're like, why do I think that way? Why am I in that mindset? Why do I get lit up by these behaviors, but not others? It's so helpful. The Enneagram, it, 
it's like it puts words to what you feel or what you always knew, but you couldn't quite articulate. And it's so helpful to go, oh, that is why I do these things. So helpful, because here's the thing. There's so many great resources out there and they help you adjust your behavior. And we're going to talk more about this later. But if we don't know why we have those behaviors and what the root is, we can't pull it up from the root in order to make a long, significant, lasting change. So that's why I love the Enneagram because it helps us pull those things up by the root and really plant deeper the things that are great that are already inside of us. So the Enneagram definitely helps us um, give words to the things we always felt about ourselves. Absolutely. Yes. And that leads us into kind of what we wanted to talk to you today about, you know, the why behind what we do things, why we do things and um, moving into this new year. Um, we've had some discussions internally on our staff that some of us don't really love the words New Year's resolutions. Um, but we'd love to hear from you, Marcy, on tips or techniques on how to reflect on the past year, maybe questions to ask yourself, how to focus on like a to do or to be excuse me list rather than a to-do list as we think about the year ahead um but overall you know tips for this season of everyone talking about new year's resolutions and kind of your take on that as well gosh i would love to be a fly on the wall of those conversations at metro family because i am a challenger we've already established that and i'm not big on resolutions either so surprise surprise to everyone um and some of you may not be either because generally we break them in the first like two or three months of the year. Those resolutions are already out the window and it's easy to just give up and go back. And that's just kind of the cycle year to year. To yes. Year. You see gyms at their most full in January, but the oh, February yeah. comes and they're open. <laughs> I just had a conversation with a friend the other day who's like, man, I'm preparing for the gym to be crazy in January when I'm here all year round. What the heck? And I'm like, yes, I feel you, man. Um, but I think with resolutions, the thing that we can reflecting on the past two years, that is a whole nother podcast in and of itself. But I think it's important um, just to stop. And especially in this time of year, just to stop and go, okay, <laughs> where am I? Where am I? How did this affect me? Because um, I'm here to tell you, no one's getting out unaffected. No one. And so how did the past couple of years um, affect you? Where are you currently? And that's not something just to do at the new year. It's a great thing that we can do um, when the clock strikes midnight at, on, on uh, January 1st. I about said July, January 1st. But that's something we can do all the time. So instead of like new year, new you, it can instead be a thing where, okay, new year, but let's go with the real you. So that way we're just looking inward going, okay, where am I with the past couple of years, but also where can I go based on what's already within me? Where can I go based on the why? And that's where the Enneagram's helpful, the why, where can I go based on that instead of just coming up with all these resolutions? Um, <laughs> and some of them, I think we've had it with resolutions where we're like, I'm going to come up with really, really goofy ones <laughs> so that I don't have to keep them because I'm not going to anyway. So um, no pressure on you about resolutions for the new year. Um, no pressure on you, period. 
However, we all have greatness within us. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more later. And generally, we have a list of all of the things that aren't great about us. And we're not here to fix those things. We are here to find the greatness within us and take it out and withdraw it so that we can live in it and live that resolute, courageous life. Um, So that's the thing where resolutions are great, well, fine and good. But man, there's so much more in you that you can live out day to day and it doesn't matter if it's a new year or not. It's in you. So I don't know if I've chased a rabbit with that at all. Oh my goodness. I think we needed that pep talk and and thank you for Mm -hmm. kind of providing that permission for us to not be hard on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, Because like you said, these past nearly two years have just been so hard. And no matter what your situation is, we've all had our individual struggles. Um, But especially listeners, you know, raising families and kids during this hard time and trying to navigate the challenges and, and what's normal and what can be normal again. Um, So those struggles are enough. So we appreciate you kind of giving us that, that moment to say, you don't need to be so hard on yourself. We're not chasing perfection here. So thank you very much. Oh, I am so grateful that you just said that. Yeah, we're not chasing perfection. And I am so grateful that we're not. Yes. Yes. So I know you talk with a lot of clients, you know, you, you do coach people through the Enneagram, you try to find their, their best selves so they can live free as you're mentioning. And I'm sure many of your clients come to you with healthy goals or maybe unhealthy goals, whether or not it's a new year's resolution. Um, maybe they're coming year round with things they want to change or fix. Um, But anyway, could you outline maybe a few healthy goals or resolutions for a few of the number types, let's just say, and and maybe some um, that certain numbers should try to stay away from. Um, For example, perfectionism, I know for number ones is a real struggle (laughs) because they are innate perfectionists. And so that's maybe um, an unhealthy goal for them to have. But could you elaborate on a few common ones for other um, Enneagram types? Yes, well, like you said, with type ones, Um, Type ones are the perfectionists. They are, they love what's good and right. And so making a goal or a new year's resolution that goes in with that would be a natural progression. Um, Even with the type three, the type threes are the, they're the successful achievers and they want to do all the things and they want to look good doing it too. (laughs) So their goals maybe would be would revolve more around being successful out in the world. And here's the thing, there's nothing wrong for type one with wanting what's good. There's nothing wrong with a type three wanting to be successful because that is just in them, it's who they are. Um, Another example might be a type seven, might wanna make resolutions to have more fun and have more new experiences in the new year. They wanna take the trips, they want the best of everything um, because they're the entertaining optimists. So. In the end, these aren't a bad place to start. I'm going to challenge you. We've established that I will challenge you, but I'm going to challenge you no matter what your type is. Take it a step further. Um, Why are you making those resolutions? Not just focus on the what, but focus on the why. Why are you making those resolutions? So I think um, for a type three to make those resolutions to be goal-oriented, which is great, but why are you setting those goals? Why are those happening? Is that because that's really who you are and where you want to be? Or is that what you think other people want from you? 
a type one, is that really what you want to do? Or are you just concerned about being right and good and people seeing you as such? So that's something for all of us. Once you find out your type and you go take that assessment, once you discover your type in setting some of those goals um, for New Year's or otherwise, just asking yourself, is this really where I want to go or am I doing it based on some sort of external motivator? And again, that has to do with each type has one, has the external motivators. We all do. Um, but the question is, why are you doing that? And only you know the answer to that. So sitting in that and taking some time to just look inside and go, okay, why am I doing that? I mean, that's Actually, I think the million dollar question with anything we do, especially with resolutions. Why am I setting these goals? Why do I want to do these things? Um, what's the real that's going on inside of here? New year, real you. What's the real? So yeah, I hope that answers your question. Absolutely. Well, and that's, I mean, it's an age old thing. Comparison is the thief of joy. And for any type, I think we can fall victim to that and kind of those external affirmations. But like you said, maybe some types are more apt to that just kind of based on their personality, but it's something that we all definitely need to be aware of. And, and especially in January, when everyone is posting about their new year's resolutions and their goals, and you know, you're looking on social media, like, well, I want to take a beach trip in 2022. <laughs> so those why things are very important. I appreciate you saying that. Just um, know, you guys, just know none of that is wrong. It's okay. You can take a trip. You can do a thing. Just know. Why am I doing it and what's going on? So go ahead. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, so self-care, I feel like is always one of those things that comes up as a to-do item when it comes to resolutions. And I love that we're having more conversations about self-care. And I think that should be a goal no matter what time of year it is. But um, I'd love to hear from you what kind of self-care techniques you recommend to some of your clients. And are there different self-care techniques that might be more successful uh, depending on what your number is? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So we've alluded to this already, but I'm just going to make it very, very explicit. When you know who you are, then you'll know what to do. So a big part of self-care can be just discovering who you are and man, taking that time to explore yourself, find out what you do, why you do it, reclaim those great things about yourself. Um, and we talked about it earlier. We all have a list of the things that we do not like about ourselves. That is not self-care. What is self-care is being able to see what is already within us, reclaiming those things and making them work for us. Um, so yeah, I think self-care is, it needs to be talked about way more. And I'm glad that it is becoming something we talk about. So I think um, definitely finding out about yourself, having a coach walk alongside you, um, while you're discovering yourself, because let's be honest, for all of us, it is easier to go to that bend where we hear the things that we don't like about ourselves and we're trying to fix them and we're trying to fix them. Um, I think that's why coaching is so important. You could just imagine having someone who comes alongside you to help you see the greatness that is inside of you and helping you draw it out. Um, gosh, that's why we named our business Reclaim the Reclaimed Soul, because that's what it is, is reclaiming your soul. So coaching, I think, is a great thing, no matter what your Enneagram type is. That's a great, great resource for all of us to help us have some self-care, to take care of ourselves, because um, we can't 
be out in the world, we can't take care of our homes until we take care of ourselves. So coaching is a great way to start. Um, also too, each type has a different way that's very specific to them uh, to take care of themselves. So for example, we've talked about the type one, they are the principled reformer and they wanna do what's right and good. So what might help them is to lean into what's fun for them. They're not often thinking about what's fun <laughs> for them. They're thinking about what's good and what's right and what they should be doing. So that might be a healthy self-care for them to think about what do I like to do for fun? I might do more of that. So that's not always what it is for everyone, but type ones, that could be something. Um, maybe for a type six, they can lean into the things that bring them peace um, because the type six is the faithful guardian. So they're guarding all the things and they are your loyal ride or die people. Um, but if they lean into something that brings them peace for self-care, that can help them relax and realize they don't have to be on guard of all of the things. So that's just a couple of examples of self-care for different Enneagram types, but I hope that's helpful. Absolutely. Um, yes. yes, very helpful. And, and you're right. Um, you know, we kind of know when we think about self-care and personality types, I'm just not going to be the personality type that's going to be able to sit there and meditate. But when you think about some of these why behaviors, like you're saying, you know, there that there's a lot of truth to that. Like you just mentioned in your number six example, um, ways that bring you peace. And that might look different for every six even. But um, yeah, some of those real trigger points and addressing them is really helpful. I think a lot of people think that self-care is the same for every person mm -hmm. and it meditation is great, but not for everyone. Um, being able to relax is great, but maybe not for everyone. Mm -hmm. So finding what works for you um, and coaching can certainly help that with the Enneagram and diving deeper in, but it starts with taking that assessment, you guys. So definitely go and, and do that at the reclaimsoul.org to learn about yourself and what might bring you rest and yeah. help with that self-care. Yeah, sure. fill your cup. Well, and we might have kind of addressed this already, um, and we joked about gyms earlier and being packed at this time of year, but I'd love to ask the same question, but for exercise, um, you know, working out in a gym setting isn't a fit for every personality type. Doing those yoga and meditation classes isn't a fit for every personality type. Um, do you have any examples of exercises or um, ways to self-care in that way that might be a better fit for some numbers than others? Something that's interesting is um, the Enneagram is nine different personality types and there are triads for three of them. So there's three different triads and the triad for an eight, nine, and one is called the gut triad. And eights, nines, and ones generally do love getting their bodies moving. Um, that helps them quite a bit to be grounded and to engage their body in some sort of physical activity. So eights, nines, and ones, talking to you, um, it's super helpful for you. Um, I think for all of us, just for health, it's helpful. But I think eights, nines, and ones, finding something that grounds you. Now, we talked about how I'm an eight. So <laughs> I, I'm not about to go to a gym. And it's mostly because I'm going to compete and challenge myself to outdo everyone in there. And it's not good for me to go into a gym. So the question is for you, what is good for you? So, because I know that it's not good for me to go up in the gym, um, 
I do know that physical activity is because I'm a type eight and I'm in that gut triad. So walking in my neighborhood is very important for me because I am by myself. Solitude is also important for a type eight. So those are the things that I engage for me because I've learned that being a gym is not good because it is not the point to compete and compare with all of the people up in there. It's not good for me and it's not for good for my mental space and it's not, it doesn't achieve what I'm there to achieve. So for you, no matter what your Enneagram type is, what is it that is good for you, mind, body, and soul in order to get your body where you want it to be? Um, and I think people just think it's the gym. And generally, for some of us, it is, but for others, it isn't. So eights, nines, and ones, move your body. Um, it's good for you grounding practice. It's like a meditation for you. For ones, um, for twos, threes, and fours, for you guys engaging your heart. Like if you find something that um, is motivating to you on the inside that gets your body moving, that's where you want to be. And then the other triad is five, sixes, and sevens, which you engage your mind. So if you can find something that engages your mind while you're getting your body moving, that is where you want to be. So that's just a real tip of the iceberg for some of you of if you have, if you have goals for your body, that's where you can start um, is engaging in those things based on your Enneagram type. I love you breaking that down. And honestly, like we said, I'm a five and I could, I could relate to engaging the mind body. That's, those are always my best workouts is when I'm stimulated in both ways and connecting both body and mind as well. So that makes just so much sense. Yes. Thank you. I think everyone listening to this podcast is probably listening to this podcast in general because um, their goal is to be a better parent. I mean, we really try to push out content that's going to help strengthen families um, and make every parent, you know, while it might not be easy, give them the tools in their toolbox to make things fun and helpful. Um, and no one is perfect, but we all do obviously strive to be the best for our kids. Um, I'd love advice on parenting based on your kids' numbers, especially let's say I'm a parent who um, is parenting a child who is the same number as me, and maybe we butt heads a little bit. Um, how do I help them be the healthy version of their number, even if I can't always accomplish it myself to kind of mirror that, you know, example? Um, or if I'm parenting a child who's the polar opposite of my Enneagram type or, you know, pr proposed or suggested or maybe in mind uh, Enneagram type, how can I learn more about him or her and how to best relate to them? Um, so kind of maybe similar and opposite um, personality types um, and then per Enneagram number, how do we, how do we address those things? Oh man. First of all, I feel personally attacked because I have a child who is the same as me and um, trying to parent her is like clashing. So I felt everything that you just said. Um, we'll get to that in just a second. So first of all, um, discovering your child's Enneagram type is a, it's a dicey situation because um, it depends on how self-aware any of us are to take the Enneagram assessment. So um, if your child can be self-aware enough to answer the questions and to be present enough and sit still long enough to answer the questions, um, I am not averse to them taking the Enneagram assessment and figuring out who they are because it's so helpful to us 
when we can see who they are in order to <laughs> address them. So um, that's the first thing. So if your child wants to take that assessment, send them on over to the reclaimsoul.org and, and you can have them do that for sure. It's for free. So that's great. Um, also, so I discovered, so here's the thing. So my daughter is too young to be able to take the Enneagram assessment, but based on some of her behaviors, I feel like I'm looking at myself. So she could be a little miniature type eight. So um, it is just like intensity meeting intensity and then clashing all over the place. So um, the one of the biggest learnings I had um, in just my parenting journey is realizing that is it's my job as a parent to de-escalate the situation. And um, if you know anything about being a type eight, I don't really de-escalate anything. I escalate it and then we're done. <laughs> so um, that is where with this child in particular, man, it was just me going and then she'd one up and then I'd one up her and she'd, and it just would continue until it was like a volcano and there was lava trying to kill everyone around. So it was not serving our family well. So I have to, as the adult, I've got to deal with myself in that. And really as a type eight, I'm struggling for control. That's what type eights do. So I've got to realize that I'm the parent. I always have control. I don't have to one up my child in order to have control. I already have it because I'm the parent. So those of you who are struggling, first of all, you have my kudos because parenting is so hard. Um, and I want you to know you already have control because you're the parent. So that's the first thing. I want you to know that you already are everything your child needs because you are your child's parent. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is it's our job to de-escalate the situation. So sometimes we think yelling at them should solve the problem and it doesn't. So finding out what works for your child. And we know this, we know this to be true, but the Enneagram can help us to know like yelling with my child does not help it. It just makes it worse. Um, I have another child who, if I just give him the look, he will back away. So um, I don't want to have a home where we yell. So I'm currently working on and continually working on de-escalating the situation with my child. So for all of you, I think it's our responsibility to de-escalate. So whatever that looks like, um, whether you have a fiery child like mine or one who um, isn't as fiery, but you just can't figure it, him or her out um, and just finding out what works for them based on their Enneagram type can help with that based on your Enneagram type can help with that because the way I engage with the world doesn't always work for everyone and especially my kids. So finding out more about ourselves and doing that self-care we talked about previously, finding out about yourself and knowing like knowing that I grasp for control has helped me in my parenting to really realize that I already have it. I don't have to try to get it. So learning about ourselves helps a lot with parenting. And then once we learn about ourselves, and if we learn about the Enneagram, we can learn about the different types and look at our children and be able to go, oh, the way I relate is not the way you relate. I've got to shift my thinking a little bit and relate to you instead of the way I would prefer you relate to me because we're the parent. So I hope that is helpful to those of you. First of all, you got this <laughs> above and beyond everything. You've got this. You are your child's parent and you already have everything you need to parent your child. Um, if 
you feel like you don't have it, definitely reach out. There's so many resources, especially through Metro Family, and we'd be happy to help with the Reclaimed Soul. But learning about how we relate and realizing that our children may not relate in the same ways, super helpful. Thank you for sharing those examples. Um, that really, I'm sure has, it did for me at least disarm, you know, and, and kind of think about some things more realistically. And I also really love that you talk about the Enneagram as a, not, not as a shield or an armor you're putting up and saying, I'm a, you know, personally, I'm a five. So this is just the way I am. But you're saying I'm a five. Now I know why I react the way I do. So I can adjust and react to things in a situation that maybe is more ideal. Um, or like in the example of parenting can help deescalate things a little bit rather than sticking, sticking in your own ways and just saying, well, this is the way I am. So here we are. Right, right. So helpful. And you know what the thing too, and like I said earlier, we all have those things inside of us that um, are the way they are. However, we can always learn to relate in a much better and deeper and really, quite frankly, more constructive and productive way um, with everyone, especially our children, especially. We have to, we must make it happen and we can. I believe we can. We want to leave that example um, for them that, you know, even though we're the authority figure in our homes, as you're mentioning, we already have that power. We still have learning and growing to do. And I think that's a very powerful example to leave for our kids. So I, I really appreciate you saying all of that. Um, maybe another vulnerable point I'd love to talk about is one side of your uh, business deals with marriage and the Enneagram, as well as premarital counseling. And we talked a bit about this when you were on the podcast um, last spring, but I'd love to address it again. For those of us that have a partner, um, what is the benefit of thinking about your Enneagram number in relation to your partner's number? And I, I think I know what you're going to say based on what we just talked about with parenting, but I'd love to talk about some common successes or mistakes you see in marriages and relationships as it relates to how Enneagram numbers relate to each other um, and what can we resolve or at least focus on doing better in this new year? Yep. Well, I, we talked about how hard parenting is, and I think marriage just doubles down on that and says, really? Watch this. I think marriage is hands down the hardest thing I've ever done. Hands down. And I'd probably say for a lot of you, that's the case. Parenting's up there, but I think marriage, it wins. <laughs> it just, it is the hardest thing. And it's because I think with parenting, we get to um, choose how, where we go with our kids and take them with us. Whereas with marriage, sometimes we don't get to choose where we go, where our partner goes and where we're going. And we're two adults. So we are not in control of them. We are not, we are not doing any of those things. So again, man, first of all, realizing that we are not in control of the other person is probably super helpful. Everybody. I need to tell myself that because I'm an eight. I think I'm in control of everything. Um, so that's the first thing is we're in this together. We are in this together, even when it feels like we are not in this together. Um, so remembering that I'm a fan in all of the things, whether it's parenting relationships, especially marriage, um, taking a deep breath when you're in the throes of it. If you're in an argument, yes, taking a breath, but even when it's occupying your mind space, your heart space, your gut space, just going, okay, I need to take a second. What's going on? Where am I at? What is happening within me? 
because so often we don't take that time and we're just going, going, going and onto the next thing, onto the next conversation, onto the next thing, and really onto the next thing that's wrong with you. Instead of taking that second to take a deep breath and aim it, start here first. Um, so that would be the first thing is those of you who are married, it is hard out here. I need you to know it is one of the, I think it's our most prized relationship on the planet. So therefore it's the hardest. So um, we've got to fight for it more instead of fighting against our partner. <laughs> so we've got to fight for our marriage, not fight against our partner. And I think no matter what your Enneagram type is, I think we are all geared to fight against something or someone and realizing that our partner is our partner. We're in it together with our partner. No matter what your Enneagram type is, we are in it with them. So that's the first thing. Um, Cause sometimes we think we're not in it together and that perpetuates the whole wherever we are. So once we learn about our Enneagram types, we learn why we may think those things. We learn the root of, well, why am I even like this? Like, it, I mean, I'm just here to tell all of you guys the Enneagram. <laughs> I talked about it on the podcast we did last time, but it is not discover your fall colors test or your Disney princess test. It will read your mail. And if you're ready to do the work, it can so be transformative in your life and how you relate to yourself and to others, especially in parenting and marriage. So, um, but it gets deep into how did I become this way? Where did this come from? What is the origin of it from my childhood, from all the things and can help you uproot those things so that now you can be more productive in your marriage with your kids. Um, so no matter what your type is, you have those tools already to help make your marriage better than it was yesterday. So while we may have a resolution to have a better marriage next year, we can have a better marriage tomorrow. We can have a better marriage when we do the hard work on ourselves and we work together with our partner when we realize we are together in this journey and not against each other. It's a big deal. And also one of the things that we do at the Reclaimed Soul to help you in your marriages is we do what's called like a marriage intensive. So some of you may be like, man, we need some help in our marriage, but I don't know that we need therapy. <laughs> and that's where this comes in, where we talk about your Enneagram types for you and your partner. Then we'll spend some time talking about the common pitfalls, the common um, issues we have in our marriage and how your Enneagram type addresses those things and how you guys can meet in the middle with whatever issues you're having with whatever pitfalls you find yourself in. Um, and we will address those head on and talk about them. Um, and I am a challenger. We've talked about that 400 times in this podcast, but I, I will challenge each of you, man, you can relate to your partner better than you are. So here's where we can do that. And here's where we can take hold of those places and live with resolute courage in our marriage. So we'll talk about those things and then we'll get a good game plan at the end of, okay, so now here's where we're going to go forward. Here's where you can implement all the things that we've learned. And as a result, that's five sessions um, with you and your spouse, where at the end, you will be equipped with all kinds of tools um, that pertain to your Enneagram type so that you can engage in an even stronger way in your marriage. So yeah, the Enneagram can help us big time 
with how we relate to everyone, especially our spouse. Thank you for that. That that was another um, good awareness piece and a, and a good conviction piece because that is going to look differently in everybody's relationship, but reminding yourself that you have a partner, um, not an adversary, um, is, is I think a good way to start. I appreciate that advice. So as a coach, as you're, you know, getting into reading people's mail, as you're kind of mentioning uh, through the Enneagram type, I'm curious if you have any input on resolutions or goals, whatever you'd like to call them, um, that you wished no one made and also ones that you wish everyone makes. Oh man. Okay. So first of all, and <laughs> I was looking, I don't know what made me do this, but I was looking online last week about the craziest new year's resolutions. And <laughs> there are some goofy things out there. So there are quite a few that I wish no one would ever make. Like there was one people wanting to break records, whether no matter what the record is. And I'm like, y'all ready to go after this? What is happening right here? So I think um, there are crazy New Year's resolutions that no one should ever make. And of course, we've talked about this already. Like making a New Year's resolution is really ones I wish everyone would make are investing in themselves. And that's not just for the new year. That is every day of the 365 day year that we have. Um, realizing that you are worth it to make that investment into. Um, and of course I do coaching and in our business, we do coaching to help you live with that resolute courage and freedom. Um, but there are so many free resources out there also for you to learn more about yourself and make that investment um, into you and then generationally into your kids and their kids and their kids. So um, the ones I wish no one would ever make are the goofy, crazy ones that, you know, but even the ones like I am going to lose 300 pounds this year. I don't know anybody who loses that much weight in a year, but sometimes we go big or go home and I, I admire the tenacity, but I think we could probably refine that goal a little bit. So I think, um, man, the unrealistic goals are the ones I wish no one would ever make, but sometimes we don't know they're realistic or not. So we definitely need help um, so yeah, the goals that are making the investment on themselves, if you are making a goal that invests into you, you get all of my respect and kudos and high fives, because that is remarkable. And those are resolutions that actually can be lasting and change not only you, but we talked about your marriage, your parenting, your kids and their kids and their kids, and it could really change trajectories. Absolutely. Yes. You cannot um, do anything well, work, parenting, marriage well, unless you yourself are in a good place. So I do, uh, I do hear that point. And um, I'm, I think I'll be recentering around that goal itself this next year. I have little kids in the home and it is hard, you know, when they're running your schedule and work is running your schedule and just life in general, but taking those intentional moments to invest in yourself, I think is very good advice. Is I'm curious if there's any anything that you are going to try to focus on this upcoming year or just in general that you're working on right now? Well, I have to tell you guys, in case you haven't heard it all throughout this thing, there is, so I am a type eight, we know this, and the intensity generally precedes anything else. Like, it's just like, hello, how are you? Yes, all the intensity and yes. 
So one of the things that I am working on is as a type eight, one of the things that makes us accessible instead of just intense is when we lead with our heart. So um, I'm, I'm going to work on being more vulnerable, specifically with my husband and my children um, and in my family and being more vulnerable and not being in control. And which if you're listening, she is just making faces. This is, this is painful even to say right now that I'm not going to be in control. <laughs> oh, I, it makes me want to vomit a little bit. I'm not going to lie. But I think, and, and those are goals that aren't just like New Year's resolutions, but that is like a, that has been an ongoing refining for me for a while. And so that's been one of actually the biggest realizations for myself in discovering about my Enneagram type is that people weren't seeing my heart. And that was so painful for me. They weren't seeing my heart because they were just hearing the intensity. So anyway, I'm, that's where I am personally working on, um, with regards to our business. I just really want people to know, like we've got goals in the new year and all the things in the new year and really just wanting freedom for more people, more people to discover that they already have it within themselves. And you can reclaim what's been used for not so great things. What's been used for evil. You can reclaim that and make it for good in your life. Um, so that is my goal for you <laughs> and how the reclaimed soul can help. Cause that's what we want to help you do is reclaim those things and make them work for you in your relationships and in your life. I don't know a single person that doesn't want that as well. So I appreciate that, Marcy. I appreciate your work with the Reclaimed Soul, all the advice you gave today, mm -hmm. the examples, um, the things you're working on, because I think those are things we're all working on as well, no matter what our Enneagram type is. So I do really appreciate you taking the time uh, with us today. Um, and find out more about Marcy and her business, The Reclaimed Soul. You can look at them on Instagram or Facebook at the underscore reclaimed underscore soul or their website, which Marcy mentioned, www.thereclaimedsoul.org. Join us next time on Raising OKC Kids. Bye, everybody.